So I think Anna was out of the room, maybe Elijah, but I, I was saying how um, I'm going to use Gorjan's study guide as the main text we'll use, and we'll have Prabhupada's Gita as a reference, but please still read the assignments from both, because um, something will strike you that Prabhupada says in the Gita, which we may not cover. And uh, so I'm going to, and what we're going to do is we're going to cover the verses in the section today. It's 28 through 46. Uh, and we'll take turns reading the verse in English. And then we'll, and then the person, and I'll just say, okay, now it's your turn to read Borijan's comments. And then we can open up, open it up for each verse, you know. Um, any, any questions or comments about that? Or I might want to say something see, to make it, to give some more background. Because we're still in the first chapter. This is the background, historical background chapter. And instead of referring to page numbers, we'll just refer to texts. Because Donna Kaylee and I have 
old editions. So, okay. Everybody okay with that? No. Okay. Okay, so before we go into 28, we're going to look at Borijan's comments to 27, because this is where Borijan chose, in the beginning of Arjuna's uh, hesitation to fight, this is where he chose to list Arjuna's reasons for not fighting. I don't think we went over them last time, did we? Or did we? We did. We did. Okay. Let's go over them again, <laughs> because they're really important. Because we're going to be hearing them uh, in this section by Arjuna. So I think I'll start just by reading it again. So, um, so text 27, which is the last text in the section, was... Uh, when the son of Kunti, Arjuna, saw all these different grades of friends and relatives, he became overwhelmed with compassion and spoke thus. So one thing I want to say in Prabhupada's purport, here we don't do it here, but in the t his purport to 27, because it says Arjuna was overwhelmed by compassion, and so Prabhupada reinforces that in his purport. It says, yeah, Arjuna was a saintly person. He didn't want to kill friends and family. So his weakness... Is, not, is just a natural extension, expression of his compassion. But in the very next text, 28, in Prabhupada's purport, he'll say just the opposite. He'll say that Arjuna's uh, symptoms, which we'll get to uh, body quivering, mouth drying up, this is because of material fear. <laughs> so, but both are there, because as a devotee, uh, Arjun has natural compassion, but then when that compassion turns into abandonment of duty, then the yoga maya turns into mahamaya. If you can understand that. It's the same, it's Krishna's energy, but it, it, it acts, like Prabhupada says, maya is, is just energy. That's one definition. But it, it takes an expert, expert electrician to know how to harness the electricity which is everywhere in the air and create power. So, uh, so Arjuna, he is by Krishna's will, so he can speak the Gita. This internal devotee, this confidential companion of Krishna, is put under Mahamaya, just so uh, he could develop these, these symptoms. So, uh, it's kind of inconceivable, but it's, that's the nature of reality. There's a, one, there's a oneness to everything and there's a difference to everything. <laughs> and that's what makes the world go around and that's what makes, what makes reality. Krishna is inconceivably and simultaneously one with his energies and yet aloof from them. And so Arjuna uh, can be in Mahamaya and also in Yogamaya by Krishna's will. Because he's the most expert manipulator of the energies. Yeah, the electrician example is the electrician. He can use the electricity. He supplies, he can access it, but then uh, it can be accessed to either heat or cool. Heat, uh, heat, <laughs> heat, uh, yeah, run a heater or run a, a cooler, depending on the need. So the need was to speak the Gita. So, um, yeah, Krishna just... Uh, used Arjuna as every man, right? The concept of every man. He's, he's his own person, but he's representing all of us. Okay. Uh-oh. Okay, Yongay wants to come in. I guess we'll just let him sit in. Well, don't, don't even... Okay, he is coming in. Okay. Yeah, you want to sit in? You can, you can audit. So you can sit maybe on that side. This is kind of a closed group, but you're 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 an open person. So is this okay? Just sit there. You're the, well, you're not fine there. You, yes, have a seat. It's going to be distracting. And also, do you want to chant your rounds, or do you want to hear? No, no, I'm just going to be listening. Okay, good. You can sit here. Yeah, just right there. Okay, good. Okay, so I'm just going to read. I'm going to start by reading the comments, and then maybe make a comment about the comments or ask you something. 
So, Varijan Prabhu comments, Krishna has driven Arjuna's chariot so that Arjuna is face to face with Bhishma and Drona. It's really a setup. <laughs> he drives right in front of his guardians. Thus, we can understand it is by Krishna's arrangement that Arjuna, on the verge of fighting with, it, with and perhaps even killing his respected grandfather, Bhishma, and his military guru, Drona, is feeling compassion and reverential affection just prior to the battle of Kurukshetra. Beginning with verse 28, Arjuna will describe his reasons for desiring not to fight, and Krishna will reject them all. Uh, reject them all. I have analyzed Arjuna's reasons and placed them in five categories. So, Borijan, to give his analysis, you might think, why do we need Borijan? You know, he's, we have Prabhupada. But still, a guru will illumine what we don't necessarily hear properly or understand, even about what we're reading from Prabhupada. So, okay, I'm Diksha initiated by Prabhupada, but I depend on so many Shiksha gurus to help me understand Prabhupada, so that I can present Prabhupada properly. So it's not just about one person. You know. Not just about me and Krishna and the gopis, or even about me and Prabhupada. It's about all of us actually uh, becoming qualified to help each other. So, uh, so our so Burjan, with the help of Prabhupada's purports and the Baladev and Vishwanath's commentaries, he's grouped the reasons for not fighting into five categories. Number one, compassion. Arjuna has deep compassion for those he is about to kill. He doesn't want to kill his loved ones. And that's a very noble reason, natural reason for a devotee. But as you will read, uh, under Mahamaya, so that's kind of a, that's almost like, a, that's a Yogamaya reason for compassion. Except when it turns into abandonment of duty, yeah. Anyway. So I'll just keep reading. Two, enjoyment. This is a less noble reason. <laughs> but this is how we're calculating everything. Everybody is calculating. Consciously or unconsciously, every move we make, every thought we think, is, is the motive is, how am I going to enjoy? And how am I going to avoid suffering? It's all in relationship to me. This is a less noble reason. Arjuna knows it will be impossible for him to enjoy the kingdom if he wins at the cost of the lives of his family members. So I'll be dead. So Three, destruction of family. Now this is, this is noble, but it's, uh, less, uh, it's less of a reason. With the death of so many great kshatriyas, irreligion will flourish. Unprotected women will be corrupted by unscrupulous men. Therefore, society will be overrun by unwanted progeny. The traditional Vedic rituals will no longer be performed because no one will be qualified to perform them. And thus, hell will await both the family and the destroyer of the family. Sounds really good, huh? I mean, that's it's like a social reason. He's got a personal reason. He's got a a noble reason, a less noble reason, it's got a social reason, the whole society is going to go to hell. Four, and this is actually, I think Borjan comments, not here, elsewhere, but this is the real, this is what Arjun's really afraid of. Fear of sinful reactions. Arjun thinks that the enjoyment of royal happiness is not worth the suffering he will have to undergo as a sinful reaction for destroying the family and killing his superiors. So, nobody wants, you know, no sane person's going to do stuff that will send them you know, to hellish consequences. And five, and this is, this is the only one reason that we're not going to read in, the, in this chapter. It's coming up at the beginning of the next chapter. Indecision. Arjuna is not convinced that conquering his enemies is better than being conquered by them. The kingdom is flourishing under, under Duryodhana's rule, so why should the Pandavas fight only to take over the kingdom for themselves? 
Is that an astonishing sense for you to hear? That the kingdom is flourishing under Duryodhana's rule? He's the, he's the villain. How could the kingdom be flourishing under his rule? Anybody know? Oh, I, I forgot. Yeah, I should raise your hand. Super materialistic person, so he runs pretty well. Yeah, he knows how to manage. He's actually a good manager. So, so that seems like uh, okay. He's doing pretty well. So why are we fighting? And he's doing okay. But why? Okay. He prefers to cater to the Korvas. Yeah, he's favoring. He's favoring uh, his own. Yeah, he's a real nepotist, as they say. He's going to give all. The, plum jobs to his relatives. <laughs> but what's the matter with that if he's doing a good job? What's the, what's the basic underpinning of the kingdom? If Duryodhana is charge, in charge, then what's the direction? What's the values? Raise your hand. Why? So what's what's the mo what's the uh, goal of life for someone like Duryodhana? Materialistic pleasure. Yeah, just to have a nice life here. Which you know, it sounds it's almost it sounds normal now, right? Because that's I mean, we don't even have a nice life here with the current state of the world. <laughs> so yeah, when you have a non-devotee in charge, then that's the direction that the leader is going to take the society to another round of birth and death. And the modes of nature are always competing. So no matter how nice you try to make it, as Krishna will say in the 14th chapter, those modes will compete for supremacy and it will go dark. The modes will eventually go down. And Duryodhana is not in goodness, so at best he's in the mode of passion. So that means the happiness is short-lived. It'll be a short-term gain. So, but Arjuna is thinking, hey, Duryodhana is doing okay. He wonders whether millions of people should die just to enthrone him and his family. So he's thinking, is it just for me? But no, it's not just for him. But because they're devotees, they will do a good job. So it's for everybody. So Krishna has a big picture. He knows what's good for everybody. Arjuna is soft-hearted, compassionate, and logical as we're going to hear. He knows Shastra and is cultured and intelligent. Because of these qualities, his heart breaks when he sees his friends and relatives ready to fight. So, as we said before, this is an historical battle, an historical moment. But it's the story of our lives. What are we going to do? Are we going to do the right thing? Or the best thing? We're going to try to uh, finally go home and take as, as many people with us as we can, or are we going to choose some mundane, you know, goodness or mundane, whatever. So, any questions about those reasons? It's it's really actually it was really a kind of a, a breakthrough for me when I read first read this in '97 when the study guide came out and Borjan broke them down into those. Because you sort of get them, you know, but when you see them listed like that, it's very helpful. Okay, why don't we start with Donna Kaley this time? And um, Donna Kaley, can you read the 28 in the comments? Sure. Arjuna said, My dear Krishna, seeing my friends and relatives present before me in such a fighting spirit, I feel the limbs of my body quivering and my mouth drying up. Was anybody, excuse me. Yes. Uh, I'll, I have the pulley pulpit. <laughs> Fine. Okay. Um, so, um, has anybody ever been so afraid that they've had these symptoms? Shaking and, and, uh, and mouth drying up? Well, that's extreme anxiety. I've had extreme anxiety. <clears throat> I don't remember mouth drying up, but... Uh, In the book. Huh? In the book, or is it symptoms that you've had? No, do you, do you remember, ever remember your mouth, you've been so afraid your mouth drying up? Yeah. I would say sometimes, you know, you're, you're, you know. Shaking, I know. I, I've, I've been in that situation. Yeah. 
a, a and mouth other thing? people were kind of getting into you and <laughs> stuff like that. Okay. It was pretty wild. Sometimes when people, you know, kind of do weird things. Too. Yeah. Anyone else? <clears throat> Anyone when my else? son Jeremy was um, critically ill and in the hospital and thought he was going to die at a time that was very high trauma, oh. my body went into spasm. I couldn't straighten out. Every muscle was, you know. Wow. Yeah, I'm sure my mouth was dried up and I was faced with uncertainty of his life. Mm. Yeah, it was hard. There were mm. many hard things. Yeah, that was hard. And then you die, unless you're a devotee. All right, read okay. Although Darunda was prepared to kill in order to keep the kingdom, should a soft-hearted, compassionate devotee like Arjuna act so foolishly, is gaining a kingdom, which is after all a temporary gain, worth committing unlimited sin? Sri Prabhupada comments in this purport that Arjuna's symptoms are due to his soft-heartedness, a characteristic of a pure devotee of the Lord. Yeah. So it's so far, Arjuna is exhibiting soft hearted compassion. All right, Bhakti Chris, why don't you read 29? Unless there's more, I think this is pretty straightforward stuff. 29 and 30? Just, well, is there any comments? Okay, just, yeah, read both. My whole body is trembling, my hair is standing on end, my bow Gandiva is slipping from my hand, and my skin is burning. I am not able to stand here any longer. I am forgetting myself, and my mind is reeling. I see only causes of misfortune, O Krishna, killer of the Keshi demon. Mm. The words Nimatani, Nimitani, Nimitani, and Viparitani, Viparitani, Viparitani are significant. Shri Prabhupada translates Nimitani as causes of as, as causes, and Viparitani as just the opposite. Arjuna foresees that the very events he fears will necessarily occur. And he thinks this battle will cause just the opposite of my desires. In his purport to verse 30, Srila Prabhupada summarizes the faults in Arjuna's reasoning as the faults in the reasoning of every conditioned soul. Arjuna envisioned only painful reverses in the battlefield. He would not be happy even by gaining victory over the foe. When a man sees only frustration in his expectations, he thinks, why am I here? Everyone is interested in himself and his own welfare. No one is interested in the Supreme Self. Arjuna is showing ignorance of his real self-interest by Krishna's will. One's real and self-interest lies in Vishnu or Krishna. The conditioned soul forgets this and therefore suffers material, and suffers material pains. Arjuna thought that his victory in the battle would only be a cause of lamentation for him. You may view Arjuna's lamentation... So that was the end of Prabhupada's quote. So now we go back to the Bodhi Yeah. We may view Arjuna's lamentation or predict that he will be victorious as Krishna is his chariot driver. Arjuna will not go to the heavenly planets, as will those he kills. But at least he will win the kingdom. Arjuna, however, does not consider a kingdom worth the sinful reaction he will acquire by fighting and killing in this battle. He is considering only how the battle will affect him, and he sees only results opposite to his desires. In this way, he loses his will to fight. Mm -hmm. So that's our situation. As long as I'm making myself the center of the calculation, there's, it's a lose-lose. <coughs> it doesn't work out. We have all these unlimited desires and uh, we have really no way to fulfill them on our own. And we try and try and try and then we just get beat down and then get old and bitter. And, or even, or even, say our karma is, say I've done a lot of good stuff in my previous life, and say I hit the lottery. I get the girl, or I get the guy, or I get the house, or I get the fame, or whatever we... But it still doesn't make us happy. And then, as I mentioned, you know, you're in the checkout line at the supermarket, at Sprouts, or whatever, and you're going through, and you see the... Oh, not at Sprouts, but on fries, you see the, you see the, uh, the tabloids, right? <laughs> and there in the tabloids are the people that have made it, that everybody's worshipping, and they look really unhappy because everybody's worshipping them and they're still not happy. So where does it end? <laughs> it doesn't end. We keep chasing it and chasing it and chasing it. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, this is actually the purport 30 where Prabhupada says it's due to loss of life. 
where the yoga maya becomes maha maya. Um, any questions about that? Yes. It says something about like Arjuna wouldn't earn heaven. Yeah, but Krishna says that he will earn heaven. What does it say? He says Arjuna will not go to the heavenly planets as will those he kills, but at least he will win the kingdom. Alright. Oh. I gotta bring my glasses. That's in the last paragraph. Yes, Arjuna. Okay, we may view Arjuna's limitations. I predict that he will be victorious. We may view, as Krishna in his chariot is his chariot driver. Okay, this is like this is a, an imagining. Arjuna will not go to the heavenly planets, as will those he kills. This is, this is a supposed thing, but at least he will win the kingdom. So this is like, why doesn't he fight? And actually, Arjuna, will, Krishna will say the same thing to him in two thirty-two. This is. This is the first chapter. But Arjuna, when, he tr when Krishna first starts trying to convince him to fight, this is one argument he will make. O Sadakunti Ardi, you will be killed on the battlefield and attain the, attain the heavenly planets. Because a Chatri who dies in the battlefield, you know, dies with his boots on, doing his dharma for the right cause, the, uh, the reward is you go to heaven. Or, Krishna says, or you will conquer and enjoy the earthly kingdom. So it's a win-win. If you, if you see things my way, you see through my eyes, your eyes are defective, so you're lamenting. So this is, yeah, the reason it says that is just a, a suppose, that's all. So we could think, well, Arjuna, or Krishna, or, yeah, Arjuna, he's going to, yeah, it's a win, it's, he'll conquer uh, at least he will win. Even if he, okay, yeah, this is, <laughs> yeah, Arjuna's lamenting. He doesn't want to kill his friends and relatives. But then we could say uh, that he'll, he'll, he won't, and so he won't go to heaven because he's killing his, his friends and relatives. Uh, but at least he will win the kingdom. So it's just a way of looking at it. Yeah. But then the counter is, Arjuna doesn't want it. He doesn't consider the kingdom's worth it because of the sinful reaction, which is ultimate reason he doesn't really want to fight. This is all sinful. It's wrong. Because, again, he's making his calculation based on him being the center of the calculation. And Krishna has his higher purpose. Most of the time, Krishna's higher purpose will parallel Krishna's purpose will parallel goodness, but sometimes God asks us to do stuff that seems really radical, <laughs> and that separates the mode of goodness people from the from the transcendentalists. Yeah, so uh, that's why Krishna consciousness is the ultimate challenge. But to know what's really transcendental, you need guidance, because in the name of because that's what people say, oh, I, I killed somebody because God told me to do it, right? And that was the whole preaching to the, to the ISIS fighters. No, you should, you should kill all these, you should behead them. Because this is what the, they're all infidels. And Allah will love you for it. And you should take their wives. This <laughs> is madness. Okay. So, um, was that clear? It was a supposed thing. It wasn't, it wasn't the, the actual ultimate fact. Is that clear? Okay. It's worth meditating on. Huh? It's worth meditating on. You're meditating on it? Yeah. Okay. Just the okay. grammar of it. For yeah, it's just uh, it's the way Borjan presented it like that. Okay, so Anna has the next book reading. Michelle. Oh no, Michelle. I'm sorry, Michelle. That's right, going that one. I do not see how any good can come from killing my own kinsmen in this battle, nor can I, my dear Krishna, desire any subsequent victory, kingdom, or happiness. 
Verses 31 through 35 describe Arjuna's second reason not to fight. Srila Visvanath Chakravarti explains Arjuna's thinking as follows. I will win the battle, but I will suffer greatly. Those I kill will be elevated to the sun planet, but no good reaction will come to me. Arjuna continues to explain the intolerable results he envisions. All right. Why don't you read the next one? This is Arjuna's famous four-verse yeah, four-verse soliloquy. And he's just sort of, you know, it's like King Lear or something. He's on the heath, talking to the sky. But, it, but the sky, or the source of the sky, is right in front of him. So it's Arjun's big speech, four-part speech. Um, so why don't you read that too? O Govinda, of what avail to us are a kingdom, happiness, or even life itself, when all those for whom we may desire them are now arrayed on this battlefield? O Madhusudana. O Madhusudana. O Madhusudana. When teachers, fathers, sons, grandfathers, maternal uncles, fathers-in-law, grandsons, brothers-in-law, and other relatives are ready to give up their lives and properties and are standing before me, why should I wish to kill them, even though they might otherwise kill me? O oh, maintainer of all living entities, I am not prepared to fight with them, even in exchange for the three worlds, let alone this earth. What pleasure will we derive from killing the sons of Dhritarashtra? See, that last line gives the whole thing away. What pleasure will we derive? Again, I won't enjoy. Even if we, even if we kill everybody, how, how is that going to make me happy? So his his basic calculation is is fault, faulty, false. So you want to read the comments? Arjuna calls Krishna Janardana, Janardana, the maintainer of all living entities. He wonders how Krishna, everyone's maintainer, can be desiring everyone's death. <laughs> the word Janardana has another meaning. Jana means person, and Arjuna means killer. Srila Baladev Vidya Bhushana explains that Arjuna kills Krishna, calls Krishna. calls Krishna, Janardana, to suggest, Oh, Janardana, if they need to be killed, then you, who are the remover of the earth's burden, should kill them. <laughs> then you should kill them. There won't be any trace of sinful reaction for you, the Supreme Controller. In this way, Arjuna hopes to remain free from sinful reaction. <laughs> the Pandavas, of course, won the battle and ascended the throne, yet they remained in power for only 37 years. Arjuna's conviction is that is that brief kingly pleasures are not worth the sinful reaction of suffering in hell for millions of years because of killing friends, guru, grandfathers, cousins, and other relatives. Arjuna concludes that planning for enjoyment while overlooking future suffering is foolish. He continues this reasoning in verse 36. Sounds pretty good, huh? He's really arguing like a sharp lawyer here. All the reasons he shouldn't. Yeah, this is the ultimate, we're not going to enjoy verses. And, we're, and not, not only that, but we're, going to, we're preparing a dark future. So, okay, Anna's going to read 36. Oh, you have a question? Yeah. Some of these verses, he calls them uh, names that imply that he kind of knows that he's God or Supreme Controller, like Narina or... Yeah. So, like, but doesn't that come later in the... Chronology of like how Arjuna is like. Yeah, I know it's a little paradoxical how all along Arjuna is, and every time Arjuna calls Krishna a name or Krishna calls Arjuna a name, it's their significance. So, like Prabhupada explained in Borjan, pulls it out. Uh, oh, Janarda, maintainer of the people. You're asking me to destroy the people. <laughs> But you're the maintainer. Vishnu is the maintainer. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of a... It's a little paradoxical because it isn't until the 10th chapter that finally, after hearing the Gita nutshell verses, the four essential verses in chapter 10, that's the whole Gita in a nutshell, and Arjuna's response is, You're God! Parang Brahma! Parang Dhamma! It's like an exclamation, right? So it almost sounds like Arjuna is, is just an actor on a stage, and he really knows who Krishna is. So this is a little bit beyond my pay grade, but here's someone who knows. Yes? 
gonna, I had that question too, but and it was actually it's come up a lot in different readings. Of like even in like Krishna book and the gopis, like the gopis don't. The Prabhupada expresses that the gopis don't know Krishna's the supreme personality of Godhead, but then all of a sudden they're calling him the supreme personality of Godhead, and they're like, "You're the maintainer of all living entities. You're the killer of the Kesha demons. You're the master of all the Vamashram system." And I think Prabhupada, I think he explains in Krishna book that mm. that's that they fall in and out of like the yoga maya, oh. that that they go into the like the yoga maya that they Krishna lets them forget that he's God to have that relationship, but then at the same time they mm. they're also aware and they come into awareness. Yeah, I like to that. see that because it's not that they're falling in and out of yoga maya, but they're 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 sort of surfing through the different rasas. It's like when Jashoda opens Krishna's mouth and sees the universe. Then she loses her parental mood and she goes into awe and reverence, which is less pleasing to Krishna because he likes more intimate relationships with Yashoda. So, uh, yeah, maybe you can find that. See, I'm, I'm curious. Not now. But in that one, too, he said the same thing where she, uh -huh. she was like, she's like, he might be the supreme personality, yeah. guy, but then Krishna said Krishna covered her again. Yeah. Yeah, so rasas are fluid. So uh, even those. Yeah, it's sort of similar. Small comment. Yeah. If I may. Well, also there are different levels of God realization all the time. I mean, we don't always have total ecstatic realization of Krishna, but sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. Oh, okay. Well, I'm... <laughs> yeah, okay, even in, our, even in my neophyte stage, I, I get glimpses or I don't get glimpses. But yeah, that's, that's Krishna's way of increasing our anchor. You had a comment? Well, just because that's what I was thinking, Nanakeli, is that what, later on when he says, oh, you're God, it's just this profound felt sense with his whole being, like, you're God. You know, even if he has some understanding or cognitive understanding of that early on, maybe there's just this real deeply felt sense of realization. Yeah, and, and right. So, yeah, it's all about the mood. So depending on the mood, um, yeah, we have, we're, our relationship with Krishna is fluid, yeah, like you're saying, and depending on, but Krishna's orchestrating the whole thing. So it's kind of, yeah, it is like us. Yeah, even other. Yeah, as I was before or after this, that Krishna went with Arjuna, Beyond the material universe into, you know, the Samaha Vishnu on the ocean. Well, that's much later, yeah. You know, because I was going to say, it's like, even us, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I think Rana Swami did the example uh, that, you know, you can, the holy name is God, you know what I mean? But at the same time, so many of us don't don't realize that to its fullest potential, you know, mm -hmm. we chant, you know, we're out, we're thinking this and that. But if we actually were aware that Krishna, the name is the same as Krishna, mm -hmm or that person Krishna is who he is, and we would never act in such a way. We would never say the holy name lightly, you know what I mean? We'd be in ecstasy every, every syllable. And... <laughs> yeah. Okay, good. Uh, one more. <laughs> okay. Was, uh... Yeah, we're not attached to how fast we go. We could yeah. stay in this section. Good. So, like, I mean, kind of implies that, like, Arjuna might have known some of Krishna's opulences that made him more than a ordinary conditioned living entity at all, but he didn't understand that conditional life is only for finite souls and that, like, he's not grasping the total infinitude, but I wonder if he thinks all these opulences are, like, a demigod's opulences because he runs into... Who does it mean? Krishna's opulences? Yeah. If, like, Arjuna thinks that Krishna is, like, a demigod or some advanced personality rather than the supreme... Well, no, he knows who Krishna is, but he's in Maya, and then... He will say you're God. And in the 11th chapter, he'll even go into this apologetic mode. Oh, I said Krishna, but I, I'm not re realizing your opulences. And, uh, no, it's not like that. Arjuna is a confidential friend of Krishna. He's not... Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's what he is. And uh, that's a very special position uh, and it's his eternal it's his eternal rasa with Krishna 
somewhere in Arjuna are speaking to Bhagavad Gita. But we can also be a friend of Krishna. We don't have to resent that the position's been taken. <laughs> uh, we can also be a friend of Krishna. Just like Mother Jashoda's Mother Jashoda. Devaki is Devaki. But we can be a mother of Krishna or a father. So these are confidential devotees of Krishna who are, who are showing us uh, an example of their relationship. Did we read this purport yet, or this comment? Yeah. Uh, we did, okay. Round 36, I believe. Uh, okay, so Anna, this, yeah. Sin will overcome us if we slay such aggressors. Therefore, it is not proper for us to feel the sense of Dhritarashtra and their friends. What should we gain, O Krishna, husband of the goddess of fortune? And how can we be happy by turning our own kinsmen? There it is again, Madhava. Uh, Madhava. You, you're the, you're the, the husband of Lady Luck. But if we do this, would you, would you say we're going to just, it's going to be bad luck? Sin will overcome us. Yeah. So, yeah, this is the real thing. So let's look at Boyjan's comments. Go ahead. Here Arjuna calls Krishna Madhava, the husband of the goddess of fortune. Arjuna, according to Srila Baladevi Yabhushana, thus asks Krishna, O Madhava, why are you, the husband of the goddess of fortune, engaging me in this unfortunate battle? Arjuna says, sin will overcome us if we slay such aggressors. Srila Prabhupada explains in his purports that according to Vedic injunction, no sin occurs if one kills an aggressor. He then lists six types of aggressors. One, a prison giver. Two, an arsonist. Three, one who attacks with deadly weapons. Four, a thief. Five, one who occupies another land. And six, one who kidnaps another's wife. And now in the next paragraph, Gorjan presents how the, the Kurus try to do all those things to the Pandavas. Go ahead. The Pandavas suffered each of these forms of aggression at the hands of the Kauravas, who were now poised to attack. He ordered a fed Bhima a poison cake. He arranged for a house of block to be built for the Pandavas and conspired to have it set ablaze while they slept. Shakini cheated in a dice game and plundered all their wealth. The Kauravas then occupied the Pandavas' land. Finally, they stole Draupadi by foul means, once during the dice game and once when Jayadratha attempted to kidnap her. A little slow. Little slow. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Artha Shastra allows that such aggressors be killed. Why then does Arjuna say sin will overcome him by killing them? According to Srila Vishwanatha Chakravarti Thakur, Arjuna is speaking from the level of Dharma Shastra, not Artha Shastra. Dharma Shastra, which is more authoritative, propounds that killing one's friend and relative is never permitted. Right. So Arjuna is, is on a higher level than you know ordinary uh, yeah, Artha Shastra. But Krishna is on a higher level than that. Bhakti Shastra, what the Lord sees as the being the ultimate good for everybody. So that's what will come out. Uh, yeah, so the sin, that's what's casting the shadow over the whole thing in Arjuna's mind. Yes? Is it Artha again? Artha means something of value. What's ultimately, like there's four dimensions of existence, or there's four it's a progression. There's dharma, artha, kama, moksha. So most people do dharma, do their duty. Why? Because they know if they do their duty, then they'll good, good, they'll good, good uh, gain, material gain, artha, some gain, economic development. And then why do they want economic development? So they can have kama, sense gratification. If I have money, then I can enjoy my senses. And then, but that ultimately doesn't satisfy, or that ends. So then people want salvation. Oh, that's moksha. Save me from birth and death. Or save me, take me to heaven, Lord, you know, whatever the orientation is. So artha, yeah, literally, it means things that are, it means value, something valuable. So, uh, yeah. So in the artha shastra, these six kinds of aggressors who were trying to take away the things of value, they can be killed. But Arjuna was try trying to be, he was trying to go high. He was trying to assume the high ground of being above that. But Krishna was higher than that. Yes? So was he not actually at that level? Like Arjuna was kind of using that as an excuse so he didn't have to do it? Or like was he just pretending to be at that level? Or was he actually at the... 
Well, he was on the level of Dharma Shastra. Was he actually at that level, or was he just using the physics? No, he was. Yeah, that was his whole presentation to Krishna is is a dharmic presentation. It's a very noble, uh, mundane, albeit mundane, um, presentation of what's right and wrong. But it's and it's and it's it's goodness. It's sattvic. But again, sometimes. Shuddha Sattva, or Krishna's pure goodness, will appear to contradict <laughs> what's mundanely good. And so that's, that's why, uh, you know, like, because everybody in their own small way comes up against this. Am I going to do what's ultimately right, or am I going to do what's expedient and might even look good? People will praise me if I, if I do this. But I know what's really, what's really the, the, what's really right here is not what the masses are going to think is right. So, uh, but even that, by and large, is mundane until we come to Bhagavad Gita and we find out what the, the real best thing to do, what's ultimately beneficial. So that's why it's the ultimate challenge. This <laughs> is not based on the bodily concept of life, which the whole world is under the spell of that. No, he's on the level of dharma. He's a he's Raj Dharma. He's a Chatriya. He's a Raj. He's a fit to be a king. But Krishna wanted something more from him. Yes. So it seems that he's on this uh, Dharma Shastra level, of, like where he'd always been told to respect your elders and not kill them and things like That's this. That's right too. And he's trying to inquire from Krishna about the clarity. When does that become negated? Is it by something more powerful, or are we just degrading ourselves to that part? Well, yeah, he's questioning, but he's really he in this first in this first chapter he's really questioning. It's almost it's rhetorical because he's really feeling his oats, or he's he's really on his soapbox, is what I should say. Oh, Madhava, husband has got it. Come on, this is really bad stuff, and you're you're you know you you should know better. He's preaching to God, God. Thou shalt not kill. <laughs> what God said in the Bible, right? Thou shalt not kill, Moses. So that's, that's ordinarily right. And Buddha said the same thing. Ahingsya sarva bhutani. Never commit violence to anyone. But sometimes the highest non-violence is externally violent. So, uh, yeah, Arjuna is really on his horse and he's on his soapbox, and he's preaching strong. But very soon we'll see the conclusion of his preaching. Instead of being triumphant, the, the chapter ends with him like, <laughs> I shall not fight. You know? and, then, and still, he, he carries it up the first few verses, text 6 of uh, chapter 2. He gives his ultimate existential reason for not wanting to fight. And then, he, and then the next verse, he begs Krishna, okay, I'm confused, I admit it, so please instruct me. And then our Krishna said, no, I can't, I'm, I'm your friend, I'm not your guru. And then, anyway, we'll get there. So, uh, yeah, this is very interesting. <laughs> okay, so we're at 37, 38. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. <clears throat> Although these men, their hearts overtaken by greed, see no fault in killing one's family or quarreling with friends, why should we, who can see the crime in destroying a family, engage in these acts of sin? Why should we get on their level? They're so shameless. We, we should, when they go low, we should go high. Okay, read the comments. Arjuna fears the ensuing horror of two powerful dynasties fighting and destroying each other. This is Arjuna's third reason not to fight. Kshatriya's spirit engendered family pride. Kshatriyas upheld the pious family traditions and passed them on to future generations. What would happen if all the Kshatriyas were killed? The entire society, which depended on the authority of Vedic kings, would fall into disarray. No sacrifices would be performed for the forefathers or future generations. Young men would become unrestrained, frivolous, and impure. 
vanquishing a powerful royal dynasty would, in fact, make the future of the entire world dim and bring unlimited misfortune. Arjuna understood all this. And the Pandavas, you know, they were victorious. They did win. But they only ruled for 37 years. I think we just read that, right? Yeah. It was short-lived. And there was one more king in the line. King Janamajia. Janamajai. But after all, Kali Yuga was coming in. So that uh, it had already come in, actually, in Pariksha's time. No, Pariksha. Pariksha, then then Janamajai. Yeah. So it was just by uh, the force of time, which is also an energy of Krishna's, the whole thing did devolve. But at least the ultimate record, the ultimate legacy of that whole drama is this, this Bhagavad which now is coming back, you know, now that we have Lord Chaitanya's come, and he was preaching Bhagavad Gita, so he's bringing it back. Okay. Can I make a summary quickly? Can I say something? So there's no ground, there's no comparables, and there's no ground for decisions other than our own aversions and attractions. So the whole confusion to me of this chapter is is the pointing of self-realization of, of having to go deep within and finding answers because there's nothing external that is that adds up. Because I had asked last week, like there was a code, but it didn't matter. We, you know, they violated the code of ethics anyway, and so this whole thing, like you have to have faith and surrender. And, to Krishna. and some knowledge. There is a code. Because you can't this really make any sense of it. No, but that's the whole Gita. Right. Arjuna... It's all there in this. It, it seems like Arjuna's right, but actually it was wrong because it was based on a fundamental miscalculation. Yeah. And so Arjuna, Krishna has to give the ultimate code, which is said by Sanjayan. Yeah, okay. I, this has been on my mind, so just one more second. So now our culture, our society is what Arjuna said it would be. It's degraded. That's right. It's already happened. Yes. Yeah, so that's why Prabhupada would say that Krishna has come as the Hare Krishna movement to save the world. It's, this is the movement incarnation of Krishna. So, uh, because everything in the name of... Look at the evangelicals are doing or not doing in the name of supporting Trump, right, for example. Anything, don't do anything. Yeah, <laughs> just because they're standing on one issue. You know, abortion, basically, Roe v. Wade. Anyway, that's... Okay, yeah, you're right. There's no... Irreligion is religion, religion is irreligion. It's all mixed up, and there has to be some transcendental reference, and that's Bhagavad Gita. So earlier day I got this question from Dana. Dana. She yeah, the lady, yeah. yeah. She has a new question. She said, you know, I, you know, I've been through a lot and this and that. How do I know what's the difference between my mind and my, uh, you know, what my heart's done when I go deep within? Because, you know, some, I saw so many people, especially where I was from, so I, mean, I, I went within and, you know, God told me to, you know, go do drugs in the forest. <laughs> You know, that's why you need a you need a guy. So that's what I said. I said, well, that's why we actually, you know, that's you group the way to surrender to Krishna. Correct me if I'm wrong. The way to surrender to Krishna in this life without him personally present, like in Arjuna's case, is the guru and the sadhu and the shastra. Yeah, that's right. So that's our guy, right? That's Did our you tell guru. her that? Yeah, I told her that. I said, okay. Well, well, we, yeah. we, guru, sadhu, shastra. So continue to associate with the devotees. Ask the devotees. You know have a guru, you know, maybe in the future have that in your heart, and then, you know, read Bhagavad Gita. Because for me, I mean, that's what i found more than anything in my life, is just, as I read Bhagavad Gita, associate with the devotees here and chant, that becomes my guide, you know what I mean? If there's something, if there's a dilemma in my life, it's what is favorable and what is non-favorable, you know, and then you choose what's favorable. Yeah. So, Good. In our, so in our case, is that that's our surrender, correct? That's our guide, is we have that Surrender to Krishna through the Guru and through the Sadhu and through following. Yeah, let's let okay, we're gonna let's go to Prabhupada's Gita. He brought this up. Turn to chapter 18, text 57. Chapter, and what? chapter 18. 
famous verse and purport, Prabhupada directly addresses this whole dilemma of us, of Krishna apparently not being with us because it was 5,000 years ago. 18th chapter. 18th chapter, 57th verse. And I'm going to read the English. In my edition, it's on page 698. I don't know. 653. Uh, so I'll just forget page numbers again. So famously, Krishna says, in all, and this 18th chapter is, is everything wrapped up. It's a conclusive chapter. Krishna just ties up everything. In all activities, just depend upon me and work always under my protection. In such devotional service, be fully conscious of me. Now go down to uh, let's see here. Um, okay, way down actually. It says where it says one should act according to the order of Krishna. It's way. It's about six or seven lines above the bottom of the purport. Everybody find it? Mm -hmm. Okay. So one should act according to the order of Krishna. So I'll stop there, full stop. So then people say, I go within, right? It's like I'm trying to be my own guru. Because what's within? There's so much stuff within. The good, the bad, the ugly. <laughs> so you need, you need gurus, picture shiksha gurus, to separate all that out. Uh, order of Krishna. This is a very important point. That order of Krishna comes through disciplic succession from the bona fide spiritual master. Therefore, the spiritual master's order should be taken as the prime duty of life. If one gets a bona fide spiritual master and acts according to his direction, then one's perfection of life and Krishna consciousness is guaranteed. Okay, I guess I skipped what I really wanted to read. Uh, I guess it's toward the top, where I thought it was this purport. Okay, yeah, you see about five or six lines from the top of the purport where Prabhupada says, Now, one may argue. Can you find that? Okay. Now, one may argue that Arjuna was acting under the personal direction of Krishna. But when Krishna is not present, how should one act? If one acts according to the direction of Krishna in this book, as well as under the guidance of the representative of Krishna, then the result will be the same. So, this is a book incarnation of Krishna, and uh, if the guru is transparent, there's the big if, right? As much as the guru is transparent, we'll be able to see Krishna's, we'll be able to get the real spirit of Krishna's words, and be able to follow them and apply them in our own life. But we do need help. You can't be your own guru. Krishna said, try to, just try to learn the truth by approaching a spiritual master. He didn't say, just try to go within. Even though Krishna's within, but we can't discern him from the devil within, too. Krishna's in there, the devil's in there, so much, so much is in there. So where are we? Did you read that paragraph yet? Uh, yeah, I was reading. I was... You're done reading? Okay. Where, where were we? Oh, oh, that's right. You were. Oh, it's almost ten thirty. Okay. So rather than okay, so where do we? Thirty-seven, thirty-eight. Elijah read that. Yes. Comments? Yeah. And what would you like us to do? For okay. So. I'll tell you what. Yeah. So you've already read to forty-six. Just read chapter two, text one through ten, because I think we'll be able to get. Because now we start getting the actual. Digestible chunks. It's not too long, and it's really all about um, that last reason for not wanting to fight, and then Arjun surrendering, and that takes us right up. Because text eleven is really where Krishna starts his preaching. Okay, so this is very nice. Thank you very much. All right, was that okay? Very nice. Jai. Thanks for coming. Which section did you say? It's chapter two.
contents of the key to summarize. Text 1 through 10 is Borijan just titles it Arjuna's final reason for not wanting to fight. 1 through 10? 1 through 10, yeah. Okay. Jai Prabhupada. Jai Prabhupada.